much has changed in Queens. Yes, but some things have not. Lord, money, Mayweather ain't shit. He beat that Filipino boy ass. Pack of Kwondo, Pack of Mondo, whatever his name is. He beat that boy ass, clan. And he beat that Meshuganah, Conor McGregor, the Irish. Yeah, because he had to do that for the blacks. In this political climate, black man can't be taking no ass whipping from no white man, but it caused a riot. I was ready to riot anyway. I want to give me one of them flat screen TV. <laughs> Well, Abby, damn, look who done come up in here. Hey, it's Kunta Kinte and Ebola. Famine and blood diamond. Nelson Mandela and Winnie. <laughs> Those hungry babies with the flies on their face. Hey, oh, 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 whoa, that's too much. Now, you stepped over the line. Now, we're going to be talking that kind of shit about the hungry babies. You're going to get out of my chair. Politically incorrect. Somebody needs to whip your ass. Mm-hmm. Get up and whip him, sweets. <laughs> Podcast, the March 16th, 2021 edition. It's me, your pal, Dave Joskow, on a beautiful Saturday morning, recording out of New York City. And the big news, they took down the crane that I face every day when I do this podcast. So, uh, wow. Now in a big windstorm, uh, the, you know, now there's just a whole bunch of other things that can happen. But that crane at least won't fall into my apartment. And boy, it's been such a wonderful time hearing the noises and sounds that uh, happen every morning here where, uh, you know, you're trying to do some work and they're taking a huge crane down. This city sucks. Hey, but enough of that. Let's get down to business and have a good time today on the podcast. Hello, everybody, and good evening, good morning. I, uh, I got vaccinated. The big news Starting off, uh, yes, I got vaccinated on Sunday. This is coming out on Tuesday. I got vaccinated vaccinated last Sunday, and it was very exciting. Do I feel uh, guilty? You know, Dave, what, what are you doing? You're not 65, aren't I? <laughs> no, they have a little small thing in the – you probably don't know about it, but you can – if you act 65, they actually give you the vaccine, so – I definitely qualified for that. In fact, they said you, you actually, you're, the way you act and the way you complain about stuff, you're actually in the 80s category. So, and of course, I was just pleased that they mentioned anything about me in the 80s. <laughs> How are you? So, yes, I, uh, on, sun- on Sunday, so, you know, I got under the precipice. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so hard with, 
pronunciations, but of uh, being a restaurant worker. Because, I I mean, if things things are going to start opening up again, right? We said April 2nd, the Comedy Cellar reopens. All the comedy clubs can reopen on April 2nd. That's only a couple days away. And I said, well, doesn't that make me a restaurant worker? For real, like, I'm not trying to stretch or anything. I just decided, geez, I think if things are opening up and I want to perform and try and make a living, then, yeah, I work in restaurants. I get paid. I got 1099s from restaurants. So so then I was – and they, they had the Johnson & Johnson shot, which is a one-shot deal. And I said, that's what I've been waiting for. So as soon as the Johnson & Johnson shot came out, they were giving it away at the Javits – giving it – well, technically – at the Javits Center, which was open overnight. So they would give the Johnson & Johnson shot from 9 p.m. till 6 a.m. And I said, well, that is exact. So now I'm going to do it. Because I was going to wait till the last minute, be the last person to get vaccinated because I just, I'm afraid, you know, I don't get flu shots, you know this. I have a pretty good immune system. But once I realized I was going to be performing at clubs, I was getting a little nervous. So I was waiting for the one shot of Johnson & Johnson and, you know, I like their company and everything, and it just seemed like a better deal. You know, you just got to go once. So I started, you know, checking, you know, getting the button. They said, you know, it was just you could do it. And I qualified under the restaurant worker, and I kept refreshing. And then I was like, it's not working. And then it did work. And then, you know, they gave me a sat. I got, I got all confused. And then so when I woke up on Sunday, I did this, I guess, last week uh, because I record on Saturdays. And then when I woke up on Sunday, I said, okay, I'm going to really go for it maybe tonight, you know, be prepared because they had an appointment available on Saturday, but I was already high and just out of it and in pajamas. I'm like, okay, Sunday, I'm just going to keep my clothes on and prepare for, you know, if I click on this, I might get an appointment an hour later. I'll be ready. And so I just kept trying and trying, and I got on my, like, you know, desktop computer, so it was just easier to fill out and everything and refresh uh, than my phone. And I was, I remember I was watching the Dick Van Dyke show. It was, like, 11 o'clock at night, and I just kept pressing and pressing and refreshing and refreshing. And then finally at 1130, they had an appointment for 345 in the morning at the Javits Center. And I said, great, let's do it. So I, I stayed up, and I decided I would, you know, you have to get there a half hour early. So I decided I'd take an Uber. But that was fine because I had done my year. I made it a full year without taking any public transportation. So what's better than being the first time I take public transportation than going to get your vaccine? It was all, you know, it just made sense. So that's what I did. And I took the Uber uh, to, over to the Javits Center. It was freezing. And I was prepared to be waiting outside for over an hour. So I was really dressed heavily, but that was not the case at all. You know, it was 3.45 in the morning. Were there people there? Absolutely. Now, the Javits Center is a huge, huge place. So I've been estimating that there were about 400 people there. And that is just, you know, an estimation in my head. I'm talking about workers, army people, and people getting their vaccinations. And maybe it's closer to 500, but... You know, the, but if, oh boy, you just go in and you, you know, I just took my time. I wasn't running anywhere and you just follow. They got it all figured out. And I'm sure a lot of you, if you have been vaccinated, you've found everything is very good in an orderly fashion. You know, it's just, you got to walk like a mile. You know, I, I, I don't think it's a place for people over 80 because there's so much walking to do 
at the Javits and, you know, walk this way and then you're walking for a while. It's, a, you know, it's, it's like going to Madison Square Garden. And they uh, hook you up with the people. I had all my uh, information, my documentation. The funny thing I didn't have is uh, any proof that I live in New York City. You know, it was like really difficult to find proof. My driver's license is Jersey. My passport doesn't have my address on it. So I'm like, geez, I, I don't know if there's any indication I actually live in New York City. So I had, to, I had to bring a Con Ed bill with me, but they didn't even ask for that. And they, you know, I, I guess they asked if I was a restaurant. I said, I'm, I didn't lie. I said, I'm a comedian and I work at a restaurant. And so they, they were, they didn't care because if anybody's, you know, who's trying to scam the system? People just want their shots and they want to give out the shots. So I, I don't think they really mind, uh, people, you know, if you're close enough to the situation, I, I don't think they care. Plus, it's four in the morning. No one wants to just get into it with anybody, you know. So then you go to another location where they actually give you the shot. Then you got to sit in a chair for 15 minutes, uh, you know, as long as you don't have any reactions. I don't know anybody that's had any instant reactions. but And then I walked home. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I'm going to guess not, but I was, you know, it's just I knew I was going to walk home. It, it wasn't as cold as I thought it was because there was no wind, even though it was like 20. And, you know, I got home about five o'clock, I guess. And I stayed up for like an hour and then I went to bed and I woke up around 10, feeling no ill effects. And then I guess I was talking to my mom. And then around noon, I had to lie down. And it was like something's wrong, but I'm like, nah. It's in my head. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm psychosomatic. You know, I'm like, I, I, oh no, I'm feeling the effects. But no, by noontime, one o'clock, I couldn't move. I was a mess. I was chills, which I guess is a fever. I could not get warm. I took a shower that didn't work. I wasn't positive what was happening. I put on all the heaters in my place that wasn't working. So I knew something was wrong. It wasn't horrible, but it's like, you know, aches, pains, headaches. The entire symptoms that they say you get with your second shot, uh, this all came in in the first shot for me. And I was just floored and out of it. I couldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't do anything. I could only lie on the couch. I was angry that I had to get up to pee. It was so bad. And peeing was difficult because your body is just not responding properly. And I remember it. I was thinking about it. It was like when I was a kid. And I had strep throat. I remember this is like when I, it was trouble peeing when I was six, you know, like that kind of trouble, not like old man shit. It's just uh, like a tingly feeling. Well, that sounds actually nice. Doesn't it? No, but, you know, it was just, it, it was clearly there was something wrong in it. And it apparently it happens to people. And so, you know, I was just trying to, I mean, I kept falling asleep and not falling asleep. And then like by, you know, I, I waited till 11 o'clock. So maybe I could sleep through the night and I finally got to bed. I was thinking about taking a Xanax because my heart was racing because I was just panicked as usual. And I'm like, I don't want to take anything with this. I don't want to take anything. So I just kind of waited it out. And I guess in about a half hour, I finally fell asleep. And I woke up at 9 the next morning, I guess kind of sweating it out. And then by noon, you know, I had a cup of coffee. And by noon, I felt perfect. So it was completely 24 hours. It was uh, my immune system fighting off the, you know, since they injected me with covid and if that's any indication of what COVID is and it lasts for two weeks, that's a nightmare. I mean, I was really worried I was going to have to cancel the Tuesday show because there's no way I would have been able to do anything on that money. And I don't get sick. 
So for me, this was like a big deal. I'm not a sickly guy. I should be <laughs> considering what I do, but my immune system's pretty good, I guess. And that was why I usually don't need the flu shot. But yeah, it took its toll. But the bottom line is being vaccinated is pretty goddamn cool. Uh, then I tried to help others to get it. I said, you know, I, I have a lot of free time. I can get you an appointment. Uh, you know, I told Liz at the cellar if anybody needs some help, you know, to call me. And actually, Lenny Marcus called me because his wife wanted to get it. And she was feeling guilty because she had an appointment. I'm like, no, don't feel guilty. You know, she she doesn't work in the restaurant, but her husband does. And they get a, I mean, like, that's the thing. Don't feel guilty if you're, you know, they want they want to vaccinate everybody. And, you know, if you if you can get the appointment, I think, you you know, you just got to do it. I don't I don't think there's any guilt about it. I mean, I know you want to make sure the people that need it are getting vaccinated, but I feel like they are. And really, again, I, I've told you, I told you last time, I'm trying to help other people, too. This is before I even knew I could get one. Anybody in Jersey that has elderly parents, you know, text me or, or rather, uh, you know, email me or DM me. And I can give you the site that I was using that was ridiculously helpful. And I helped my neighbors in the building. And so, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, that's the best way to give back is helping other people to get it that, you know, may need it. And and a lot of my friends, I told you, were they were more scamming in the sense they're like, well, I'm overweight. No, you're not. You're just now you're saying you're overweight because you want to get the vaccine. But again, you know, listen, we are. I mean, most of my friends are in their 50s. Is that so awful to, you know, I mean, we're right there on the precipice of getting uh, it moved down. And besides, Biden says he wants everybody to be pretty much vaccinated by May 1st. So let's just get it done. I didn't want to get it, you know, but you have to. It's just easy. Now I got the card and now I can work at the clubs. Now I don't mind. I was getting nervous. You know, it's not it's not like I don't know if I'm going to go out again and I have to go out, I guess, you know, listen. I prefer it like this. This is fantastic, as you know. Speaking of which, this uh, past Thursday, I don't know whether you uh, any of you uh, signed up for it, but Olga and I opened for Gilbert Gottfried. It was so much fun. It was really, uh, even though I did that one virtual comedy show for the fundraiser for the junior high, this was the first actual you know, stand-up I did virtually after a year when I guess everybody else has been doing it, but... It was called the Nowhere Comedy Club, and it was kind of fun the way they had it all set up. There were about 400 people in there. You know, you can see about 14 of them on your screen at once. And I set it up, so I was standing. This is what I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was standing up. I took a video of my uh, back. I'll, you know, next week when we do the video audio podcast uh i'll show you what i'm talking about because i set it up i set my phone up so you could see it because it's so surreal that i'm doing a show in my apartment you know but like so i took my mic my regular mic and i held it i handheld it and they give you a backdrop so it really looked like i was on a stage they were like really happy they're like well you look like you're on stage so i guess i did everything they wanted me to do i had a nice mic the one I use for the podcast, I just took it out of the stand. Never occurred to me. And I didn't think I could stand, you know, because I have a desktop computer. But they said, this looks great. And I was like, boy, this is exciting. So I was like standing the whole time. I took the chair out of the way, you know, and waiting for it to happen. And of course, 
There were, you know, after these these people at the Nowhere Comic Club, they send you all this stuff. This is what we need. This is what we need. They send you like, we're very particular about this. And then, of course, they had nothing but problems. And that just pisses you off. The MC couldn't get on. Well, he was an idiot. And he couldn't get on. And it's all this stuff. And then, I, you know, I came in. But I had perfect stuff. And it just makes you mad when people are like sticklers for stuff. And then they suck, you know. So that made me angry, of course. But I, I try to get over that one. And then I did the show. And it went really well. And you can hear people laughing. You know, it, it throws you off a little bit because you can hear what people are saying. Like at the end, when everybody goes off, you could hear one people say, "Gilbert, why he was great." That was after Gilbert went on. But what about those other two? You know, like yeah, I heard it, and I, uh, I took like a little screenshot of what somebody said in the comments. Other two, what? Because everybody wanted to hear the rest of it. So I guess that's not very good. But of course, um, all the boys liked Olga, and she did a, a great job. But yeah, it was really exciting. And here, the really funny part, though, is that funny in a macabre kind of way. Again, I hope I'm using these terms correctly. Remember by, uh, our friend uh, Trish, who died? <laughs> Good times. So I, I, I've been talking to, you know, her parents and I, we've been waiting to meet, you know, because they, they want to see me and I want to see them. And, you know, it's been awful because normally I would have been there. I would have been at the funeral. But what are you going to do, right? So now we're all vaccinated. And she said, Mike's getting his second shot at the end of March. So I said, okay, April 1st. April 1st, we're meet up. Then she goes, well, that's Easter weekend. And I go, oh, it's Passover too. So, yeah, forget that. And then she goes, what about April 9th? They go, well, I think that's Katie's birthday. I might go down to Florida. I mean, now I can go down to Florida, right? Maybe. I can't decide because uh, Crazy Kayla will be there too. And I, I don't know. So, but anyway, that's a whole other thing. So, you know, I'm looking at the calendar and I'm saying, you know, do I approach this subject with her mom that her birthday is coming up on April 15th? Trisha's birthday is April 15th. And I say, oh, that's a perfect day to go there. They may need friends then, but I'm afraid to bring it up. I don't want to make her cry or anything. So she ironically calls me as I'm watching Gilbert on the show. Because you know that's just, just a coincidence, and I said, or, and I texted her. I'm sorry, I can't pick up. I'm I'm doing a show, and then I realized I I guess I could, and I had the sound on in the background. I was just watching Gilbert's show. I turned my mic off, obviously, and I was talking to her, and we were talking about like, yeah, she she brought it up. Well, you know, then we realized Trisha's birthday's coming up. I'm like, well, why don't we do that day? Why don't I come up then, and maybe you know we could bring this uh, the, the other girl from Hoboken that she knows or whatever. I can drive everybody there or something. And we can all hang out on her birthday. And she's like, yeah, maybe we do that. But as we're having this pretty serious conversation, in the background, you could only he hear I don't know. this. Because I, I had it on really loud. And I was like, price to so pay you want to celebrate your daughter's birthday? We all celebrate pussy. your dead daughter's birthday, I guess, by uh, meeting together. And we can all have a I time, would take I'm really sorry cancer. to hear about Don't your dead daughter. Catherine this is Zeta really Jones horrible. Uh, I hope that there's anything I can do to Don't make you guys Catherine feel better. It would be pussy. my pleasure to do, but oh, I feel so bad. You must be missing her so much. I mean, what are we going to do? Well, Dave, it's been, what is going on in the background? I said, oh, sorry. I'm doing a show with Gilbert Godfrey. He's a little insane. Anyway, about your dead daughter, let me just ask you a question about it because um what are we gonna do what do you want to eat or are we gonna like i mean isn't that funny 
<laughs> I mean, when I <laughs> I was walking around in the kitchen and you could hear it that loud. And I turned my sound down on my computer. <laughs> but there was nothing funnier than having a very serious conversation about the horribleness of this this poor woman's devastation <laughs> and then Gilbert going, Catherine Zeta Jones pussy. <laughs> so I think she understood and that made her laugh quite a bit. So it was I was just like, I'm sorry, I'm doing this show. I mean I told her I was do in the middle of a show, so uh that I don't even know how to respond. It's just really funny. So yeah, that's the uh, that's that story. Meanwhile, Olga and uh, Esther Koo, as I think I've told you last week, have become fast friends. You know, I put them together, and they've been going out while they're in Florida. And Olga went to meet some of her boys. You know, this these stupid freaks that you know live in the fifteen hundreds. And, you know, Esther's with her, and uh, this guy is this guy, one of her, August friends is touching Esther, like touching her hand, and she's like, get off, you know, stop touching me, whatever. And he goes, well, you know, August, I mean, she's got to stop this stupid stand-up and get married and have babies. And then Esther laced into him, laced into him. And then August like, what the fuck, what's the matter with you? These are my friends. And she's like, what the fuck is the matter with you? And then they called me, and I had a hissy fit, and I'm like, Esther did you a favor, asshole. I'm, I'm, I'm just getting fed up with, with Olga. I know where it's coming from. And I get it, but like, you don't understand. He's very prestigious in my community. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Choose a side already. You either got to get out of this or stay in it. But don't burden us with your 15th century nonsense. Do you know the other day she called me and told me that there's been a rally in her neighborhood because apparently... There is another thing called a get. Some of you may know if you're Hebrew. I did not know. If you're Orthodox, a get is what you need to get to get, and I'm not sure exactly, I guess it's a Hebrew word, to get a divorce. And the man can only consent to it. You know, you believe that? If you haven't heard enough of this nonsense already, so there's this woman who's trying to get a divorce from this guy. She's got a kid. She's try, just trying to move on, trying to move. This guy's already remarried, and he will not give this woman a get. And finally, people were protesting. Now, that's the part I can't understand. Well, who's protesting? And if they're protesting, then if they know this guy is wrong, why won't he conform? What? I don't understand your stupid community. It's dumb. But the reason they're protesting is because apparently there, there's somebody, uh, I guess there's Elizabeth or, some, or maybe the, that's the person. You know how Olga's horrible at telling a story. There's somebody who's been in this situation for 17 years and they don't want it to happen to this lady. So they're making a preemptive strike, <laughs> preemptive five years later. But these men will not let them legally get divorced. Now, the funniest, the best part is they're not even legally married. They're only legally married in the Jewish religion. This is another thing I didn't even know. They're not even technically legally married by the American system. So I don't, so in that sense, I say, well, why don't you just, who cares? Why don't you just leave your community if you want the divorce and just get out? But maybe it has to do with the kids and all this nonsense. I don't know. All I know is my, unfortunately, people's system sucks. 
and it just seems to get worse. And the brainwashing they're due, and the more I get to, you know, know Olga. I mean, this woman is a mess. I really feel she might not be able to make it in show business because her mental state is so bad. And, and listen, I'm talking about stand-up comedy where everybody's mental state is, you know, not normal. Everybody. Every single great comic you know is an idiot. I mean, maybe the only one who might be semi-normal maybe Ray Romano. And I really believe that's where it ends. Sarah's crazy. Attell, me, just as an example. I mean, obviously, there's a couple of people who just kind of get it and they know how to handle it. Maybe they're good at business. I don't know. But most of the greats are completely insane. I mean, look at Chappelle. Look at what he did with the Chappelle show and his nonsense when he went crazy and moved to Africa and all that stuff. You know, the greats, Richard Pryor, they're all insane all depressed and and confused and crazy and you know that's where it comes from so you, but that's how bad i believe after you know being in in comedy uh, you know technically for uh, 30 or 40 years and seeing my friends get to the highest of highs and then seeing other friends never make it i i don't know whether she's going to be able to get past this because this brainwashed community feeling that she has is, I think, going to be a detriment. And I was talking to a tell about it the other uh, yesterday. Actually, uh, he brought it up because uh, I don't know. I don't know whether she, you know, her insecurities might be actually too much to mount a stand-up comedy career, if you can imagine. I hope the best for her, and I always am rooting for her, and I try and help all the time. But she needs to help herself as well. And it's really difficult to put a lot of time in. She's obviously really good. She, you know, people loved her on the on the Gilbert show. She did a great job, and she's really interesting. I mean, I really think she has a shot because her backstory is so interesting. I know we talk about her a lot on the podcast, but that's only because I just really think there's a chance for her. I just hate to see her get in her own way, and that's Dave Juskow saying that. Dave Juskow saying that, who's only gotten in his own way over his illustrious career on Tuesday. Oh my God. I mean, thank God on Tuesday after Monday, when I was a mess on Tuesday, my intercom rings. It's my super with my new refrigerator. I swear to God, boy, was that a lucky break that they did not call me on Monday. I would have said, I, I can't, I can't today. Oh my God. Thank God. I felt better. Because you don't want to, I mean, you know, this guy's been nothing but nice. I've, I've made him go to like 50 apartments. I made him get a new refrigerator for 57th Street, and I'm not paying rent. So you know, there's no reason for him to do any of that for me. And he was so nice, and I never bothered him again about it. And he remembered. It's so rare for the super to just be like, I didn't have to remind him again. He just came to me and said, hey, we got it. I got it from 57th Street. And I said, let's do it. So, you know, then after being completely down for the count around noon, I mean, I, you know, I was just getting better. I had to empty my refrigerator. You know how tedious that is if you've ever done it before. And I'm sure we've all done it once in our lives. You got to get rid of everything in your refrigerator. You know, this stuff that you keep forgetting, like when you're moving, 
oh, God, I got to go through this drawer, too. Oh, no. I mean, you know, it's stupid. Plus, I got all that Nutrisystem stuff in the freezer, and those desserts were ruined and everything. So you got to get the magnets off the fridge. There's stuff on the sides. It's all that stuff you're never thinking of, those little butter trays. And I just threw them on my living room table. And then, you know, then you realize you're going to have to pack it all in again. And you're like, oh, my God, this is so tedious. But I'm rushing. I'm just throwing. I had bags on top of the refrigerator, you know, like uh, shopping bags and stuff and and stuff that like an iron and a, my George Foreman grill, you know, stuff. You're, you're like, oh, God, I got stuff on top of the refrigerator, too. So it's real tedious to to have to do all that in a rush because they're coming soon. You don't want to take up their time. Uh, you know, when you just got over pretty much the worst health day in a year of your life. But, you know, what are you going to do, right? So uh, I, I did all that, and then they bought the new refrigerator in. It's beautiful. It's a little stainless steel action, and it's much bigger. Oh, it's much bigger. And he was like, look how cold it is. And he showed me the temperature, and I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. He said the freezer was at zero, and the refrigerator is at like 20. And I'm like, great. I like everything really cold. So that's fantastic. And then, uh, you know, they bought the refrigerator in, and then I had to put everything back in. I tried to organize it, and it was done. But uh, I went food shopping yesterday in New Jersey, and I was like, I guess I can get more stuff now because I have more room. So that was exciting. This is really exciting, isn't it, though? It's really not that exciting, but... I was really excited about it, and I gave him like 50 bucks because, you know, if Joe was telling me, you know, I was listening to your podcast. You're such a dick. You're making the, no, this one's not cold enough. What else you got? You're not paying any rent, you jerk off. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But I think I, I knew I was going to give him, you know, money for this because he was, I knew he was doing me a solid. So, uh, you know, then I didn't feel that bad because money talks and bullshit walks. All right. That's the most important thing. Also, as I played the clip up front, folks, I loved coming to America. I saw it the way I enjoy watching stuff in increments, three increments. I watched the first 40 minutes, then the next 35 minutes, and then the rest. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. I highly recommend, look, if you like the Nightfly podcast, and you know you do. If one of the people that listens to my show, not just for my uh, whatever stories I tell that are about Dave Juska, but if you started listening to the show because you enjoy me talking about Family Affair, <laughs> Six Million Dollar Man, you know, Scarface, all that nonsense, if you're listening to the podcast because of those kind of references... You're going to love coming to America. If you don't, there's something wrong with you. Yes, is it the best movie ever? I don't know what people want anymore where they're like, oh, I don't know. I've heard mixed reviews. You've heard mixed reviews. Of course you've heard mixed reviews because you you probably heard it from like 20-year-olds who have no idea what's going on. And quite frankly, if I was a 20-year-old and I'd watch this, I would love this movie, I believe, because I like the, the new story as well. I liked it a lot, but the the gifts... And cameos and surprises that came for people like us that worshipped the movie, the first one, backwards and forwards. And the computer generation and, and all that kind of wonderful stuff. I loved it. 
And there was one scene where I was laughing so hard just by myself because <laughs> I couldn't believe they were like, no way they got these guys back. It's uh, terrific. You know, the, again, uh, a big uh, absence, uh, Eric LaSalle. He was so funny. I, I was reading. I don't know why he was not in it. And the really funny part is that guy, Paul Bates, who, you know, she is your queen. You know, <laughs> that guy. It's so funny because he looks exactly. I thought he was James Earl Jones many times. <laughs> he looks exactly like him now. And the best part about James Earl Jones is, I mean, that guy. They <laughs> have a. You can go online and they have a bunch of people like what they would look like then, like what they look like now. And James Earl Jones looks. He looks exactly the same. <laughs> it's amazing. That guy hasn't changed in 50 years. That's the best when you start older. That's why it'll be great for me. People are like, well, that guy doesn't age. That's because he was old when you first found out about him, you idiot. But boy, it's great. And actually, um, now I'm just going to give you a little spoiler alert. It, it doesn't, just for one one thing, just one thing, it, it, please. They, 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 you know, they have, Zamunda has their own news network. <laughs> and they have James Earl Jones. This is ZNN. <laughs> Uh, I'm telling you, there's little touches like that. Yeah, I spoiled that one. But those are the kind of things I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it yet, they have little things like that that are perfect for this show that depicts all those little things that we've been talking about for years. The stuff we like, the the intricacies of what this show, The Night Flight, brings you that we've learned to beloved in the years when, uh, you know, in the movie Animal House, where's that, that guy with Tourette's in the back and stuff like that, the stuff when we've seen movies over and over and over again and we recognize the other stuff, and that's what makes this movie so special. The performances were fine. I don't like Tracy Morgan. I do not like Leslie Jones, although do not tell Lenny Marcus that. But And they're both in this movie, and uh, I was completely fine with it. So, I mean, they're just not my favorites, but it, it it didn't it didn't ruin the movie or anything. Uh, everything really, it's terrific. Love the you know they got the barbershop guys back again, which is so great. Of course they did. Why wouldn't they? Because they were that you know they're not old. You know, in real life, if they were real then, they would have died. It would have been oh, that would have been sad. But no, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I found out what I never knew. I just found out the other day that that guy Clint Smith. Who's the other guy who I was like, wait, who is the other guy? We know that it's Arsenio always eating and Eddie runs the barbershop and Eddie plays the Jewish old man. Well, who's the other guy? I was wondering, who's the other guy? How did he get in to this movie? You know, I clearly it's a friend of Eddie. I was after all these years. I look, I'm like, who the hell is this guy? He in trading places. He's in the jail cell with Eddie Murphy. Yeah. What you ignorant when the guy's like, when you came in here, you was crying like a baby. Shit. Yeah. And he goes, didn't I tell you I was a karate man? Yeah, he's a karate man. What, you ignorant? That guy with the red scarf. That's Clint Smith also. I didn't know. So I think then it really is clear that this guy and Eddie Murphy are friendly. And then I think it goes all the way back to Saturday Night Live. So I think that's all he's ever been in. But so that's who he is. When I saw the connection, I saw that. Oh, my God, that's the guy. I can't believe I never even knew that. So that was... A little interesting tidbit, again, for those who like this show, that the third guy is the guy in the jail cell in Trading Places. Exciting. And he's really good, and he's back. And actually, uh, 
He's the one. He's, he's the one that says that boy's good. <laughs> Look how happened already. I can't wait to see it again. I might watch it again. It's really good. But don't listen to anybody. Be your own person. It's coming to Americans. The goddamn. We know that Eddie Murphy has messed up many times uh, when it comes to sequels and ruining something great. That's what he used to be known for. I'm pretty sure that's why he just isn't in the limelight anymore. I think he's just done. Now he's talking about doing a Coming to America 3. And then you're like, well, here we go again. This guy knows how to ruin the franchise. He's the exact opposite of Sylvester Stallone. And then you can say like, but Dave, Sylvester Stallone has ruined the franchise. I'm like, has he? Let me tell you something about Sylvester Stallone. And you know, like once every two years, I go down my Sylvester Stallone rant of the greatness of what is Sylvester Stallone. Let me tell you when you win the prize. You win the prize. I've said it many times, but here's another example. I've said you win the prize when you come up with two characters in one life. Two amazing, iconic characters. I didn't want to use that word iconic again. I played it back and I heard myself saying that so much yesterday, last week. But look, look, Rocky and Rambo, if you can create... You yourself can create two iconic characters in one lifetime with multiple movies. I Wow. But listen, I mean, Sylvester Stallone, if you're creating a fourth installment of your the movie that made you, I'm talking about Rocky IV, and Rocky IV is just as heralded as any of the Rockies, if not more than all of them, the fourth installment, then you win the prize. There's nobody that doesn't talk about Drago and, and, and that movie and some lines from it. It's unbelievable. And Eddie Murphy has certainly not done that. Beverly Hills Cop 2 stinks. And Beverly Hills Cop 3 is maybe one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah, Dr. Doolittle 2 is awful. Well, that doesn't really count. That's not his heyday years. But, yeah, I mean, it's just that's how you ruin the franchise because you know he wants to do Beverly Hills Cop 4 and all this kind of nonsense, and it just stinks. The Nighty Professor, second one, really bad. So he's never made a good sequel until now because I think he just let other people take it over and didn't worry. And, uh, again, with uh, Sylvester Stallone, I mean, really... With Rambo, too. You know, Rambo 1 and 2 is good. You know, 3 doesn't work, but then he, you know, still coming back. And, you know, and, and if you're talking at 5, Rocky's rather, 5 nobody likes. But 6 people liked. And then, and then Creed? People love it. I mean, this guy, Sylvester Sloan, I just don't understand why. You know, again, I'm still so angry that he should have won a goddamn supporting Oscar just for all of this. That he's created, which is greatness off of one thing. Unlike Eddie Murphy, who just can't seem to... Uh, re- oh, another 48 hours. Oh, bleh. Yes, I do have the examples. My God, right? So there was not a lot of good expectation- expectations, but this one works. So coming to America 3, he's talking about doing... But he says, I have to wait until I'm actually 75 because what I have planned, I need to be the exact age. I cannot have prosthetics. Prosthetics. So that's good news, though. He's going to wait, and he's going to do it right or whatever if he's going to do it, if he lives that long. So he's not saying, let's do it right away because this is such a success. And it's a huge success. It's making a fortune. Uh, 
and good because it was awesome. So what about that, jerks? <laughs> I don't know who I'm talking to. Hey, the Seller Show tonight is interesting. It's, uh, March 16th with Tom Shalhoub and Jamie LaBella from Fox News. Well, this ought to be quite the show. I'm really looking forward to having my Fox News friends back on the show. They, uh, they're they a lot of fun. And, I mean, she's just so cute. And he's hilarious and excited to see him and work with all them again. Last week's show, some people were saying, was the best show we ever did. Because Rachel, uh, you know, I've been talking about Olga a lot. And Rachel and Olga don't get along. But Rachel is just, I mean, she's really genuinely funny. I mean, she just brings it. And she is just a good improviser. And she's good on the spot with coming up with stuff. And it shows. And Colin, as he showed us his wife beater last week, uh, girls, called me after and said that was the best show ever. Because I think he's just in love with Rachel, too, in the right way. And who else was on? Oh, yeah, Cypher Sounds. I mean, it didn't matter. Uh, but they... You know, worked well. It was a fun show. Cypher's a fun guy. and But Rachel's just, uh, Jesus Christ. You know, even when I was mad at her that day, I remember I said it on the thing. I said, Rachel, you know, I really hate you right now, but God damn, you're so goddamn funny. She really is something else. She really is really great. So Tom Shalhoub this week. Next week I have uh, this comedian who I don't know at all. His name's John Joseph. The, the reports that I have gotten from him about him from all these other comics, like, great guy, great guy. And I have Lenny Marcus on, too, and he was telling me, oh, this guy, he's been in, you know, a bunch of movies, friends with Kevin James and stuff, and he's done all this stuff. And and I'm like, wow, this is really interesting stuff. So it should be another interesting show. Like I said, we'll, we'll get to know this guy, and I haven't um, gotten anybody for the week after because I wasn't sure if I should continue the show. Because the seller's going to be opening up, and I spoke to Naomi. He goes, yeah, continue it. I don't mind. I think it's a good idea. So I'll continue it until I guess I can't do it anymore. And speaking of which, I, you know, went to, new, you know, trying to do those mall shows. And I went to New Jersey yesterday to visit, um, uh, to actually have lunch with a college friend in, in Edison where, you know, because I love it there. So if anybody invites me out, I'll be like, yeah, I'll come out. Like, you, you sure? You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I had lunch with him, and then, I, you know, I just, I'll visit my mom for a couple hours. We don't, we just don't go out for dinner. So I went out and went to the Edison Municipal Complex, which I was actually afraid to go to because that was the first time I actually went to jail back a long time ago. Anyway, they don't remember me thinking this. So I had to go there to get, like, what do I need to get permits to do the mall show? This is what the lady told me, like, and then we can work on a date. So I actually went to do work, so it was productive, and you know, now we'll get the show going and figure out a plan. Then I went to see my mom. I'm just trying to think if I want to go. Uh, All right, I'll just tell you, she doesn't listen to the show. She goes. So again, you know, a lot of you write me, you're like, Dave, why do you make fun of your looks? Why do you make fun of your looks? Okay, well, folks. <laughs> I don't know, why is Olga so uh, crazed with uh, not, you know, should I do comedy, should I not do comedy? Folks, it doesn't matter how old you are. My mother goes, well, 
there's talks about Dory getting her nose done. And I think finally, thank God, now she will be able to meet a boy. I only wish I was exaggerating or, or lying or didn't say it in that context. But uh, I said nothing after. I haven't told Beth yet, and she listens to the podcast, so I guess she'll hear it on here. <laughs> I, I don't want her to yell at Rhoda because it's kind of like I didn't get upset. I didn't say a word. And that's the worst part is because if you remember correctly, Dory was going to be the pretty one and Liza was going to be the fun one because Liza was a very ugly baby. So I I don't know what happened. And and remember, my mother's always like, Dory, you're so pretty. Hello, Liza. As if she's saying, Dory needs me to say she's pretty because she's not pretty. So here's my mother again toying with our the way we look and how horribly ugly and unattractive we all are. And this is where it stems from. And unfortunately, it's almost impossible to get rid of, folks. I mean, I think we all have the same issues. It's hard to break. You know what Chicago says? Your hard habit to break. That's good singing, right? Hee <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I hung out with her for a few hours. Then I went grocery shopping. My sister said, there's this unbelievable shop right in Princeton. You gotta go. So I'm like, all right, I'll go there. And then, ugh, take my stupid car to my house, which is such a pain in the ass. I just want to park that car and get it over with. And then, and then the, you know, the one shot of trying to bring all the groceries you've ever gotten in a car at one time up to your place because I'm double parked and everybody's honking and beeping. It's so awful, but I'm like, I'm going to do it. Meanwhile, that shop right was just as good as the one I usually go to, which isn't half the thing. And they were out of the shit I wanted anyway, so I was pretty pissed off. It was a stupid shop right, further than I normally am. But I did the thing with the ice again and got it on, got all these frozen things. And I got dinner for tonight. I'm going to have ribs, a little coleslaw. And it's, a good, it's a good plan. You know, I've been cooking on Saturdays for myself, ordering on Sundays. And then I also got the recipe stuff for my meal prep this week. Uh, last week, I, I think I told you, I made the, or two weeks ago, I made these pizza roll-ups. They were fantastic. This week, I am making, what am I making? What's for lunch? Uh, oh, stuffed peppers. But no rice, cauliflower rice. So one, you know, one stuffed pepper and then uh, beans, uh, green beans on the side for lunch. Because that could be a dinner, but I think it's a dinner if you have two of the halves of the pepper. So I'll just have one. Folks, listen, I'm doing the best I can. And then for dinner, I am having... What is it called? Pan fried? No, not pan fried. It's or so pan meatball. I'm having meatballs, but I made I got turkey meat, so I'm gonna make turkey meatballs and vegetable spaghetti. I I think it's less carbs. I was gonna get zucchini spaghetti, you know the strips, but it just looks so unappetizing, and I'm not sure how it saves in the meat prep position, you know, and some uh, broccoli florets. So that's the meal prep for this week, cooking on Monday. And, you know, I think that thing's been working, I guess. I mean, I stepped on my mother's scale with my shoes and after a full meal of a Reuben sandwich yesterday, and I was 
ate with my shoes and after eating and my clothes on. So I figure I'm about 186, maybe less, because like I said, I just had a big meal too. So that's pretty good. I mean, the weight is staying off. Remember, I was 20 pounds over, 15 pounds over at the beginning. So I guess it's worth. I mean, that's the whole key, right, is just, okay, so I stuff myself sometimes on the weekends. But for me, the the whole key was the weekdays and how to not eat horribly on the weekdays. Now, that all being said, on Wednesday, me and Rachel and her husband and Lee Maracas and his wife went to Wolfgang's Steakhouse and ate like a couple of pigs. But uh, (laughs) that's just one meal and it was great and it was fun to be out and we're all vaccinated. (laughs) So that was the first time that happened. Why not celebrate everybody being vaccinated at the same time? How exciting. I got to tell you, you feel like a superhero. You'd really just, you know, nothing. Now, I think that you got to wait two weeks for the vaccination to take effect, but we've all been stuck inside for so long, just no one cares anymore. But it's... uh, this will be good. Again, you know, I was planning on going to see Jim Florentine and Uncle Jimmy's, and I'm like, if I wasn't vaccinated, I probably wouldn't have gone. I'm not going to go inside a comedy club, which is the worst. If you sit down to dinner with somebody, that doesn't seem so bad. But the comedy club, it's, it's true, and I, I can't figure out whether you're supposed to wear your mask the whole time because I can't imagine laughing in my mask. But when you're laughing, all the spittle is going all over, and that's how you catch it. That seems like the worst place to open, but now it's going to open up. I just... Wonder if you have to keep your masks on during the show. You know, I mean, you're taking a sip of your drink all the time and you're laughing. That just sounds like a no fun place to be if indeed they make you keep your masks on while the show's going on. If you can take it off and have a normal experience, then I say do it. I mean, if I'm vaccinated, I'd rather just have my mask off. If somebody's going to get upset, I mean, if they have a rule, I don't know whether I'd go to a comedy club like that because. That's not fun. My mask, I have trouble keeping my mask on talking as it is. I'm sure you understand. I'm just looking at what else we had coming up today. Making sure I get to everything. You know, this Governor Cuomo thing, it's actually pissing me off now. You know how much I hate this guy. I've said it on multiple podcasts. But I'm just really pissed now. I do not want him to resign. I do not want him to get impeached. If he gets impeached or has to resign, I only want it to be from a massive cover-up of the old age homes. I know there's a better word for that. I'm sorry. I couldn't think of it. If they found out about all this stuff and it was all over the country that he held back all this stuff and for whatever reason and it turns out to be sinister, then yes, he should resign. But for this, with the women, this is unacceptable. For all these people calling for his head, this is ridiculous. So he said a couple of things. Yeah, he's a lech. He's an idiot. He's an ass in every way. But Jesus Christ, people, you were all praising his greatness a year ago. My God, look at yourselves. You should just leave him alone. Let him finish his his office. Right? I'm, I'm being completely rational. Let him finish his term and then... Let him never run again. Don't vote for him anymore. He's not bad enough not to have an office. You know, he's not going to do anything Trump shit. Just let him finish out his term because he didn't do anything that bad. Yeah, he hit on a couple of girls. He's a single guy. 
He's clearly a creepy guy who doesn't know uh, doesn't have a good line in him, I guess. But he didn't rape anybody, and he and and he he just seems like he's just bad at. So you like getting naked, right? <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, yeah, you got to know better, but I don't think it's an impeachable or resignationable offense. Oh, it's just so frustrating, my God, because it just reminds me of a Simpsons episode where uh, Mayor Quimby said something like, "We're gonna raise taxes or something," and everybody starts booing and booing. And he goes, "I mean, we're all gonna get a, we're all gonna get laid." And like, yeah, you tell him, Quimby. <laughs> like, it's it's exactly like a Simpsons episode. We look at us. We look like dicks. You know, New Yorkers. We look like fucking morons. We got to impeach him. How are you not seeing this? How we look to the rest of the country? We're like, we. He, he needs to be president. I want to date him. I want him to date my daughter. He's so attractive. This was only a year ago. And I gotta, we got to get rid of him. We look crazy. Stop already. I can't stand the guy because of his politics and his nonsense and that you know, I think he's a bad governor. But, got, but that's the, so? You finish out your term and don't vote for him again. That's how it works. He didn't do anything that bad, and Trump never should have been impeached. I mean, after the, after what happened, the other stuff, yes. Then, oh, good. I mean, what he did was awful. But if you're going to impeach him for the, the Russian thing and all the stuff that's never been proven and all that, I mean, come on. Let's, you just let him finish out his goddamn term. Because, because there's nothing that they've done that's impeachable. In my view, and I think it should be yours too. You can't praise it. I mean, at least with Trump, there was never a thing like he's the greatest. But now we just look like dicks. It's so embarrassing when I see it in the paper. It drives me insane. It's like it's like the same thing. We're like, where the fuck is Biden? He hasn't done a press conference. God, you're so angry about what? He hasn't done a press conference because he's been working to fix all this shit that that this crazy, crazy man did while he was in office, fixing all the little stuff. Did Trump do good stuff for a couple of things? Probably. We'll find out in a few years. He probably did a lot of interesting things, but Biden's getting rid of the crappy ones that fucked us with the rest of the world really quick, and then he was going to make a press conference. Jesus Christ, everybody's got to relax. There's so many bigger problems in the world, like, hello, J-Lo and A-Rod breaking up? Why aren't we concentrating on that? These are the important things. I just can't believe it happened. They were they were like so happy on New Year's. Why would they break up? I mean, what went wrong? And who is this Southern Belle that Arod is dating? And why would he not want to, Why would he want to be married anyway when he can go out with whoever he wants? I mean, that's the big news. Let's just concentrate on that. And not worry about Cuomo. Now, thank God these two idiots didn't get to buy the Mets. What would have a divorce done for the, it would have been, oh, another great Mets deal. Like, oh, this is going to be great with A-Rod and J-Lo owning the Mets and then they get divorced. They're like, uh, uh, or no, I'm sorry, they're not even married. So it's like, uh, they're not getting married. So then it's like, well, now who owns them? Now what do we do? And then the Mets look like fools again to the rest of the league, just like the Jets. And it's the exact same thing as Cuomo. We just look stupid to everybody else. Hey, what is the matter with me? 
This, this is just awful that they're Take breaking up because pussy. they liked Delete each other so pussy. much and I they were so in love. I just don't understand what could have possibly went wrong. It doesn't make I'm sense. j must be Jerry so upset. Lewis I mean, she's now lost another love of her life. And how is she going to continue? I mean, this is just so awful. I don't know what to do. I'm going to cry about it for years to come. I'm so, so emotional about it. It just. Oh. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> you got to love Gilbert. He's like, and Catherine Zeta Jones' pussy is the greatest. Good night, everybody. <laughs> it's like a, an old Franken and Davis routine. Oh, yeah, the funniest thing. I don't know. I wasn't high or anything, but I thought. <laughs> When, <laughs> when I was doing Gilbert's show, I really wanted to come on when they first came to me. Like, even when we were doing, like, just the pre-warm-up, I was doing it because I was wearing a um, a nightcap. Because I didn't know the show started at 9, and I was fear- and I was telling Darren, like, 9? I'm in bed by 6, so I put one of those uh, Christmas Carol you know, nightcaps on the white, the stocking cap with the little fuzzball at the top as a joke, as I was just, oh, you just woke me up. But what I really wanted to do is when I came on, you know, on the Zoom chat, I just wanted to be in uh, uh, this silk bathrobe with uh, my penis stuck, stuffed under and just <laughs> playing in the back. I wanted to be dancing to this song when they came. <laughs> oh, I just thought that would have been. Uh, <laughs> my nose ran. I'm making myself laugh hard. I mean, it was more hilarious than me. Oh, that's... <laughs> that would have been the greatest. Can you imagine what kind of reaction? They're like, well, he's lost his mind, so... I mean, what do you do if somebody came on like that? Like, uh... I mean, it's not a family show, <laughs> but still. That's that's my bit, folks. I hope you like it. You know, You know how much I hate the Grammys, right? And... The weekend is now, you know how I'm mad because they won't let Bruno Mars on. I said this on my Tuesday show. And Bruno Mars won all of it three years ago. And they won't let it. He's having to beg to get on. And they and the weekend is like, you know, go screw yourself. I'm never, I'm never, I'm telling my people not to even submit me for Grammys. Your organization stinks. Because he didn't get nominated. He had a huge song and he performed at the Super Bowl. I tell you, that Grammys committee is a bag of shit. That's all they've been on. Between them and the Hall of Fame, they're just running themselves out of the business, and no one cares. I think the Grammys are this weekend. Uh, my guess is when this comes out, the Grammys have already been decided. But, I mean, no one cares, and you're not letting the weekend on? The guy has, like, the biggest song of the year. As You know, I mean, everybody liked it, and it was fun, and he performed at the Super Bowl. Assholes. Drives me crazy, and I love the weekend. I think he's the greatest. You know, I've seen, you know, as you know, I, uh, you can listen to this podcast. You can look up the ones where I went to see the show. And I said there, I'm like, boy, this guy, I wasn't sure what to expect. 
and he was terrific. Like, really, really terrific. I was watching the movie Heat the night I was getting my vaccine. As I was killing time waiting to go, I was watching the movie Heat with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, the great, great movie Heat. And I'm watching the... uh, I'm watching the scene, which is just, it just made me angry because I'm like, this guy who I used to worship as an actor, it's kind of like Orphan Cuomo, has really just become, I know he's a joke, but he's just, now he's just a bad actor with bad acting choices. And when did this happen? You know, and it was this scene that we all kind of know, Howard plays it all the time. That just, I was like, what, what, I guess I, maybe I forgot about this. I just, why'd I get mixed up with that bitch? Because she got a great ass. And you got your head all the way up it. Jesus. When I think of asses, woman's ass, something comes out of me. <sighs> At that point, when I was watching this, the only scene in the movie with him and De Niro talking at the diner, I'm just like, De Niro is so cool. And now De Niro at this point is just a bad actor. <laughs> like, he just makes bad choices. But he's so great in the scene. It's one of my favorite scenes. There's a flip side to that coin. And, and, and Pacino just stinks. I mean, after all the stuff we love, so I was trying to figure out, you know, what, when did this happen? I liked him so much and obviously The Godfather, Scarface, Dog Day Afternoon, and my favorite of all time, Injustice for All, author, author, for Christ's sakes. So when did the screaming, yelling start, which everybody knows he does, but when and why, and there's no reason, and I was looking at this site and this guy says that first of all, it's clearly from smoking that his voice just changed and you know how we feel about smoking, but he says 1989 sea of love that his voice became a little older, not the, you know, not the, the one, but it's starting. It's like, it's getting to that point. And then Dick Tracy kind of made a little bit of a turn when he's playing, uh, who's he playing? Uh, I can't remember. It's one of those stupid villains. That was a stupid movie too. But then it makes a little turn because I guess he's playing a character and maybe people, he, I wonder if he got nominated for that or something and maybe maybe that did something to think that this is a good plan. If I'm one, I was nothing. Broonface, you tossed a firebomb in my car one night, give me a lot of trouble, but I forgive you. Mocha, you put three slugs into me, but I lived. I forgive you too. I owe everybody at this table a little something, but I forgive all of you. Why? Because you know I didn't realize I never saw that movie because it's very boring and dull. But um, he's working with James Caan again. I can't believe I didn't know that in that movie. That's really interesting. Anyway, in Glengarry Glen Ross, which we all know everybody was yelling, I think that's where it kind of started. You stupid fucking cunt. You, Williamson, I'm talking to you, shithead. You just cost me $6,000. Six? thousand dollars and one Cadillac what are you gonna do about it asshole you fucking shit 
Where did you learn your trade, you stupid fucking cunt, you idiot? Who ever told you that you could work with men? Could I, uh... Oh, I'm gonna have your job, shithead. I'm going downtown. I'm gonna talk to Mitch and Murray. I'm going to Lemkin. I don't care whose nephew you are, who you know, whose dick you're sucking on, you're going out. I swear to you, you're going... Let's get this done. You know, you can see it's like, it it just like kind of starts. And then we know Incent of a Woman, you know, he uh, pretty much went all out, oh, you know, and all that stuff. And then the, this guy's theory is that because he won an Oscar for being so loud and so crazy, that's when it just started. And then, of course, it just just continued after that, and that's all we get from now on, the, the yelling acting, I think, as he calls it. Who are you carrying all those bricks for, anyway? God? Is that it? God? Well, I tell you, let me give you a little inside information about God. God likes to watch. He's a prankster. Think about it. He gives man instincts he gives you this extraordinary gift and then what does he do i swear for his own amusement his own private cosmic gag reel he sets the rules in opposition it's the goof of all time look but don't touch touch but don't taste taste don't swallow And while you're jumping from one foot to the next, what is he doing? He's laughing his sick fucking ass off. He's a tight ass. He's a sadist. He's an absentee landlord. Worship that never. Better to reign in hell than serve in heaven, is that it? Why not? I'm here on the ground with my nose in it since the whole thing began. I've nurtured every sensation man has been inspired to have. I cared about what he wanted, and I never judged him. Why? Because I never rejected him. In spite of all his imperfections, I'm a fan of man! It's, the, the, the problem is, number one, how come somebody hasn't told him? And number two, I mean, this guy, I mean, he loves acting. And he loves talking about acting, and he likes his acting teachers. He likes his acting teachers so much that he appeared with them in like four films uh, between uh, Lee Strasberg and William Hickey. So he loves the the method of acting and what acting is, and he loves to talk acting. Well, how come somebody hasn't told him, why do you got to yell all the time? What the hell is this? It's like, when somebody, when, when it's, it's an example and it's a Dave Juskow example nonetheless, but I think somebody worked, worked with heart, Nancy and Ann Wilson and Ann Wilson has a beautiful singing voice. And when they made that unbelievable album in the eighties, that was their comeback. Somebody was working with Ann Wilson and they're like, no, 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 save it up, save it up. You know, you you get to the point, but they're just safe. You know, don't don't give it all at the beginning. You get to where you can go in your amazing vocal presence later. You know, I mean, why isn't somebody working with Al Pacino 
Who, 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 at this, no, I guess all his acting teachers that he trusted are dead. Because then wouldn't you say in The Devil's Advocate, which I love, and I can watch and I can sit through that scene and I don't cringe or anything, because I still will always love Al Pacino. But wouldn't you say at some point somebody would say, there's got to be one person he trusts somewhere, and they would say, hey, why don't you take it down? You know, like, I mean, it's fine. I know you're giving this end speech, but you're, you're like blowing it all. Why don't you save your yelling for the big end part of it? You just keep on yelling and yell. Who are you yelling at? What are you yelling at uh, Keanu Reeves for? He's a, he's a stoner guy. How's that getting through to him? <laughs> what kind of acting choice is this? You're the devil. You shouldn't have to yell at all. That's what makes Lucifer so great. <laughs> Tom Ellis never yells. He's always like, what do I have to yell for? I can get my point of course. Really, I don't even have to use it. I could, I could think it to somebody. And he makes a lot of poor acting choices. It, it, maybe that's what it is, and maybe I've just discovered it. As soon as his acting teachers died, William Hickey and Lee Strasberg, who died pretty early on, we're talking about Hyman Roth, he started doing the thing. So if William Hickey died in the mid-'80s, yeah, that's around the time... No, we're saying it happened to Pacino in the 90s. Well, again, he you know, his career wasn't going very well in that very late 80s, early 90s, and then it picked up again from the yelling because he's like, well, I guess people like when I yell. That's when I won my Oscar. So that's where that comes from. So that makes a lot of sense, but he, has, he clearly has nobody, and after all this time, I just can't believe it, he has nobody telling him, like, you know, you should take it down in this movie. You know what would be good? You're taking it, taking it down. There's, there's really no reason to yell acting. And it's funny because I wonder if I've thought of that too. There was things I've done on television that I was screaming, yelling, because I thought that was the right thing to do as a choice. And I realize now nobody likes that. Yeah, it's much better to maybe take... I mean, you know, you could have points, but if you're just going to continuously yell, it's just really fucking annoying. And... I don't get it, and I don't like it. Because what I really like is when you take a Donald. I mean, that's what makes his character in Scarface so good. Those choices were unbelievable because he's really funny. Like, his character is funny. That's an interesting choice. I don't know whether it's run that way. I mean, think about it, or written that way. It's written by Oliver Stone, right? Directed by Brian De Palma. These guys aren't a lot of laughs. I don't think any of them have done a comedy. And Al Pacino says, you know what'll be great? I'll take this murderous drug lord and I'll make him, I'll give him this character. He, he always, uh, you know, he's, he's funny sometimes. Hey, can you get me the one with the scanners? You know, the fella, the flying saucers? So we can scan the flying saucers, you know? Would you like me if I wear the hat? Huh? Remember that? You see this guy right here? He's going to get shot down by a woman. He thinks he's so great. There was a lot of funny lines in that, and that's a great acting choice. That's what made that character so great. He was having a good time. He was funny. And it just went to shit. I know everybody's older and stuff, but I don't know. It's all about acting choice, and I like talking about acting too. Somebody's got to get this guy in touch with uh, Larry Moss. That'll be helpful. <laughs>
Well, you know, folks, that's it for this week. The March 16th, 2021 episode of The Night Fly. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. I, I started yelling, but look, I, I do it sparingly. I started yelling about Cuomo. I get incensed, but that it means something, right? I mean, if you're always talking loudly and crazy on the air, then what's it going to mean when I actually raise my voice? Like, well, he's really, uh, really, he's really having a tough time with it here. Real thing. That's why uh, what are you don't get you. What is, what's going on? Right? We gotta get this guy in the podcast. So next week we'll do our. I think we'll do our video audio because I found my friend Susie Felber while doing Gilbert Show. She used to run this amazing club called the Triple Inn years ago, and she found the owner's cards of a lot of the comics. I think we know, starting with Rich Voss, and it is hilarious. And he just wrote no good <laughs> the card, and I sent it to Florentine and. Uh, Joe Norton and and his wife yesterday, and I'm like, look, he wrote no good, and if it's double underlined, it means he's really no good. So that is hilarious. I might have her on and show us a couple of those comics cards, and also tell us about the Triple In because this was a place that uh, deserved talking about uh, her and possibly, uh, and I know I'm having him soon, but Alex Sulkin, who I've had on the Seller Show before, who is the showrunner of Family Guy. I love talking to him, and we could talk to him at length about a whole bunch of stuff. And that should be interesting, too. So we should have a good time next week on our Audio Video Monthly podcast. That should be fun. Remember my guests tonight, Tom Shalou and Jamie LaBella. You won't want to miss it, folks. We can talk Cuomo, and we can talk a whole bunch of other stuff that we probably wouldn't bring up with all these crazy comics that think they uh, know everything. So, we'll, I just hope, oh, and a big shout out to our very good friend, David Elliott, who is going through a very tough time right now. A great shout out to an amazing friend and a great guy. And again, one of the funniest guys I know, Dave Elliott, everybody. I hope you're doing better and uh, everything's going to work out, buddy. You're the best. We'll see you next week on the Nightfly, everybody. Good night. Good night.